You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. All right, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in to yet another episode of our Kindred Recap Show. I'm here with Angelica and Ryan. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Hello. Hey. So we're going to recap episodes three and four for you guys. And then towards the end, we'll let you know how we're going to do the rest of the series. Uh, But for now, we'll dive right into episode three, which is aptly titled Furniture. But before we get into our recap, you know, I'm going to tell you to do all the things. Follow us, subscribe if you have not done so already. If you just happen to have stumbled onto this video, you can subscribe to our channel, youtube.com forward slash Blitz Girl. Don't ask me why it's that. It just is, okay? Uh, (laughs) And you can follow us on Twitch. We don't have a presence on there that's that heavy yet, but trust me when I tell you we will. Um, Just go ahead and follow us so that way you do not miss out when we start uploading content. So follow us on Twitch, follow us on YouTube, subscribe, of course. And, you know, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. So do all the things you can see there at the bottom uh, where you can follow us on the socials um, on all the fun networks. So there you go. On to episode three of Kindred Furniture. Has some pretty deep meaning there, right? Yes, yes. We'll right. get into why. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll take it away then. Take um, it away, Angelica. So, <laughs> so we open this episode. Uh, Dana is awakened by her mother, Olivia. Um, Olivia is there. Obviously, they've been kind of looking for her the previous episode, um, and they kind of have a discussion about you know Olivia wanting to understand how Dana travels because it seems like Olivia has only traveled once and then she was stuck. That's the narrative that I'm getting from this this series. Um, and, and Dana's been able to go back and forth. So as she's upstairs with Dana, uh, Olivia's upstairs with Dana, Rufus is downstairs relentlessly ringing that bell. Dana, Dana, he wants her to read to him. And Thomas is like hella annoyed <laughs> with his son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Olivia tells Dana like they need to leave um, because Margaret deeply distrusts, uh, mistrusts Olivia. Um, and then, you know, the one thing they didn't want, Margaret comes upstairs looking for Dana because obviously she's trying to please Rufus. And there she finds Olivia. You know, she calls her a witch. She claims that Olivia, you know, brought the devil upon their child twice. Um, Thomas demands to know why Olivia's even in their home in the first place. And then Kevin and Dana kind of come up with this lie that she wasn't feeling well. And since Olivia is a healer, you know, she's attending to her. Um, so then Thomas kind of gets the understanding that maybe, you know, he, he says Dana has a lazy nature to her. 
seems like Dana might be pregnant and they kind of run with that lie. Um, and he allows Olivia to look after Dana, but later um, and outside of the home. Um, so, you know, Dana goes downstairs to attend to Rufus. And then as they're going downstairs, Olivia tells her, like, get information from that Rufus kid. There seems to be a connection between the two of you. You know, he may be the reason why you're traveling. He could be an ancestor. Like, we need to get deets. Um, so I'll stop there. I just thought it was cool. I was glad to see um, Dana wake up to Olivia and not something else. Because you, you never know what she was going to walk into. And the fact that she could sleep, I would just be so nervous. Like, this my surroundings and where I'm at. Like, But, I mean, I guess she's exhausted and, and moving around these different times. So, maybe it's just taking a toll on her. But, yeah, I was just, that, that's the only thing I had to offer. So, I was just glad that's who she woke up to because I was nervous for her. Yeah. Dana's very comfortable in the past, <laughs> it mm. seems. It's so bizarre. She's just, and meanwhile, Kevin is like, when do we get out of here? When do we <laughs> get us out now? of here? How about now? Yeah. yeah. And it's it's weird that the white guy, right? Yeah. That yeah. He, like, this is a place that is actually, you know, a, a comfortable, I, I wouldn't say comfortable, but, you know, it's a place that's going to give him security. It's right. a place that he doesn't have to be fearful of. It's a place that he doesn't ever have to worry about uh, being a slave or, or, or having any sort mm -hmm. of threat being imposed on him. None of that will be something he has to worry about. Yet Kevin is always constantly trying to figure out how to get out of this timeline yet Dana <laughs> is sort of just lollygagging around trying to figure life out and, and really figure out her, her genealogy, her heritage, yeah. really understand what's going on with Olivia and tr even try to understand this concept of this time traveling thing. So yeah, like you said, Angela, Dana's really comfortable and it's, it's almost kind of weird, <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, it does speak, it, it does speak to the fact that Dana's, you know, really, curious about her ancestry so much so that she's willing to take a lot of risks yeah absolutely yeah dana dana's like leave me back here i'm gonna be all right <laughs> um so yeah she ends up you know like i said going downstairs to rufus to have a discussion she learns that uh rufus actually started the fire in his bedroom and he did it to get back at his father for beating him um, I don't think it's explained in the show, but in the book, Rufus took like a dollar um, from his father's, you know, wallet. And that's why Thomas beat him. Um, and then during the conversation, Rufus kind of um, casually refers to Dana, you know, as using the N-word. And Dana's like, I don't care what time period ran, <laughs> you're not going to call me that. I mean, she doesn't say right. it, but she's like, Rufus, don't call me that. Where I come from. Mm -hmm. They don't, we don't use that word. Um, in the book, she very clearly said, refer to me as a black person. And then um, Rufus was like, well, if I get to call you black, then you got to call me master. <laughs> you know, like, you got to call, we, we, we got to call each other the appropriate thing. Um, but here it's just much like, just don't call me that. Um, so they asked her like where she's from and she says it's complicated. And then Rufus asked, you know, is she a witch like Olivia? And you know, Dana's like, well, why, you know, why do you guys think Olivia is a witch? And she's like, well, you know, my mother had all these babies that she was never able to carry to full term. My Olivia looked after my mom when I was in her belly. And so I was the only baby that survived. And, um, you know, as mentioned earlier, Margaret believes that Olivia sent a devil to, to Rufus's crib. And that's when Dana realizes that was her. 
all along. So it was an interesting exchange between the two of them, kind of us getting a little bit more background on what could possibly be the reason why Rufus keeps calling to Dana and also uh, explains a little bit of that scene that happened in the first episode where Dana uh, sees Rufus in his crib and, you know, Olivia and Margaret freak out. So I'll stop there for your thoughts. Um, I absolutely love that she corrected him because I, it was so awkward. I was like, she's trying to get information and he's just throwing like, you know, it's a time period, but also being like a little boy and you like, now, you know, he's learned that from his parents, you know, just that, that thing of like, uh, racism being something that is taught at that time period, like him being so young and thinking that's just like the appropriate way to talk and and that's okay. And I love that even though it's a time period, she's like, yeah, that's not going to fly. Like, we can't sit here and keep talking and you call me out my name like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love how that was that was approached in that scene. But yeah, it's just, Margaret, like, I love how they always go to the fact of like, oh, it was the black woman that did it. Like, she had to do something while you lost all the babies. Not maybe that she didn't, you know, help where that's why you have Rufus. But it's the opposite mm-hmm. of that. So now she's a witch. So it's like if they can't explain it where well, they can use the N-word on you, then it's like a witch and you something mystical that they don't understand. So, yeah, that, that whole scene was just was I, I, it's so interesting to see that play out and her in that time period and knowing the history that she knows in the future and then having to go back and like, well, I got to do I take this? Do I do I punch him at this moment? Do I do I cut in at this moment or do I just take it? So this, this scene was very interesting. Mm hmm. Yeah, I just hate um, Margaret. Margaret's just an evil. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many words I have that I, you know, okay, YouTube will probably ding us for that. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, that that's how these women acted back then. They they were very entitled and they treated us like furniture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I pr- and and they valued furniture more than they valued the human lives of black people. To be frank, right. um, but but yeah, I, I did like the fact that Dana kind of puts Rufus in his place. Um, who knows? Maybe that's the most stern treatment that he's got from an older <laughs> adult uh, for the first time. Cause I get the sense that Margaret just kind of babies him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's probably just this spoiled brat. And, um, we learned that he, uh, later on in the book, as he grows up, that he is very much, uh, an entitled brat and is very much, um, the, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Let's just say that when it comes to how he treats people compared to how his parents treat people. But, but yeah, uh, I'm good for Dana for being like, look, that that's not, you don't call people that. You don't call black yeah. people that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that 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 was a risky thing to do. Like mm-hmm. she, she could have been overheard or, you know, he could have told on her. So for her to call him out like that, I, I really respect it. It just goes to show that Dana is a person that is very independent um, she, even though she is in this sort of time capsule where your autonomy is stripped of you, she doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> she does not yeah. care. And I, I, I can respect that. Yeah. And that, and that plays out later in the episode. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Margaret and Thomas, they're receiving guests for their Christmas party, Christmas party, Margaret's sister-in-law, Isidore, is, who's also the former mistress of the home is critical of how Margaret has maintained the home. And so it took me a second to kind of understand how exactly, like who owns what, but it seems like 
Thomas was married to Isidore's sister, Hannah. So I'm assuming Isidore is the oldest. So when uh, she was of age, she ran the household. And then it passed to Hannah when she married Thomas. And then obviously Hannah died. So then he married Margaret. So Margaret is somewhat of an outsider in the family. Um, And, you know, as such, you know, she's kind of critical of Margaret and how she runs the household. You know, she asked her, like, where's my sister's furniture? And Margaret, like, says she got rid of it. Kevin, at this point, is there. And as we know, he's very uncomfortable in this time period. He's introduced to Charles and his family. Um, And they kind of have a discussion in the library. Kevin almost gives himself away, but they just assume he's joking. And for some reason, Charles seems to have a liking to Kevin. Um, You know, Kevin appears to be more cultured. You know, he plays the piano. Uh, Charles thinks Thomas is just a good-looking idiot. Uh, and so that during <laughs> during that conversation, um, he also tells Kevin, like, you're, you know, you're good looking, too. And Kevin's so awkward. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, oh, yeah, right back at you, basically. And uh, <laughs> Charles is like, oh, you think I'm attractive? And he, t- he makes a pass and he, like, grabs Kevin's junk. Uh, so we kind of learn oh. that Charles is, is closeted. Um, and then oh, Thomas no. walks in on this encounter. Uh, and then, you know, so that was, that's all awkward. And meanwhile, while all, you know, while all that was happening, they kind of go into the living room and Margaret has organized entertainment for the guests and she has the slave children perform for the guests. And then the children are rewarded by throwing candy at them. And Kevin is visibly uncomfortable. So Kevin's just having all types of awkward experiences in the past. Uh, so your thoughts on, on those two scenes. I just, uh, so Charles, he was playing that real smooth for a minute until he started like inching up close. And I was like, oh God, what's he about to do? Like, you know, what's about to come down? But I like how, I like how they can like find things about, you know, black people back in the day or, or you can't do this, you can't do that. But it's like, they can easily brush up that you just like straight up, just grab his gentle tools, like just grab it, just one of his business. Like didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just like go like determined to like hide it and keep pushing like it was like other bigger issues at the moment. Um, but you know, the white privilege back in the day, like Jamie hinted to a couple of times and stuff that they could kind of get away with that nobody's gonna point out. Um, and then like the second scene with the kids absolutely pissed me off. And then I was <laughs> like, cause I didn't want to think about, you know, that was kind of stuff that I was nervous to kind of get into the show about. Um, that I don't want to think about. But I was kind of thinking, um, you know, when Octavia Butler wrote the the book. And her being inspired by, you know, like young black um, black Americans saying, you know, well, I would have did this if I would have been back in that time period and had to face this. And just, you know, forgetting like how harsh it was um, for, you know, slavery back then. And just seeing those kids there, like how that's ingrained into their minds. Like, oh, I got to put on a little show for you. And then I have to mm-hmm. sit down here and grab this candy or, or beg for this candy right now. Um, and their parents not having any control over you know, how their kids are treated, when their kids are pulled to do whatever they have to do. So I, I just thought that's interesting how they're pulling out these scenes, um, you know, to, to to make a certain impact and having the white guy over to the side, like he's shocked by it. And it's like, yeah, this is what your, you know, this is what your people was doing back in the day. Like, you know, this is how it was going down. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was interesting to see like all the, all these things happening around this one scene and then like the, the future impact of that and like trying not to forget the past, but at the same time, it's hard. It's hard as a viewer to kind of sit and watch this stuff again. Agreed, Jamie. 
Yeah, I mean, just the audacity of Charles grabbing Kevin's <laughs> <laughs> crotch like that. Like, I know that his wife was at the cookhouse talking with Sarah at the time, but there right. were other people in the next room, wasn't there? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like they were in some secluded house or they were completely, you know, private in, in this moment. Uh, so that was just kind of weird and awkward in and of itself, regardless of his sexuality. Um, mm. But yeah, poor Kevin. He's, he doesn't want to <laughs> be <through>. here. <laughs> he's, getting groped. he's getting groped by this random dude um, and he's just trying to be friendly. Uh, so yeah, that, and I, I, I kind of like the way that kind of played out because he was, he was sort of belittling uh, Kevin's uh, uh, sort of interest in what was it the Jane Austen novel um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah so, Pride and Prejudice yeah. Pride and Prejudice so he was belittling his interest in you know this very feminist novel and yet when he realized that there was nothing wrong with that and he's like oh Maybe he plays for the other team. Okay, so it just <laughs> it just goes to show that you know it's 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 sad that there's there's men out there that you've got to belittle you know things that are I guess feminine in order mm -hmm. to hype up your masculinity, uh, so to nope. speak. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that was just a, a very weird and awkward moment. No, I just wanted to kind of summarize that. I just feel so bad for. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Kevin has not been having a good time. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> um, so you know, Carrie, who is the mute daughter of the cook, Sarah, was amongst the children at the Christmas party. Um, and Isidore is like really happy to see her. Um, because Sarah was Isidore's nursemaid. So, you know, she goes to cook out to visit Sarah. And then Dana's also kind of en route meeting with Olivia. And, uh, you know, she tells Olivia that Rufus really can't control his ability to call Dana. Um, and Dana also brought out the fact that there was another person present when Rufus was in the nursery, but it wasn't Olivia. So, you know, maybe there's another time traveler that we're not aware of. But before they can finish the conversation, Rufus calls for Dana, like regular, like with the bell. <laughs> so, um, you know, Dana goes back to Rufus's room and she's, you know, by this point, Tom has had up to here with Rufus and this bell. So she pretty much stops him from beating Rufus. Um, and then she finally gets to read him the one thing he's been wanting all day long. And then uh, Miss Temperance, who is Charles's daughter around Rufus's age, wanders into Rufus's bedroom, curious about his injury. Like there's something very off about this little girl. <laughs> like she's like the bad seed to me. She just gives off this aura of like evil <laughs> trapped in a child. <laughs> Um, and like she makes fun of him earlier, Carrie, and I believe it was Nigel visited um, Rufus to see how he was doing. They brought him like a little rag doll. So she makes fun of him for playing with dolls, for still playing with the slaves. And she tries to like throw her her weight around. You know, Dana's there. So she knocks over a basket of laundry and she's like, hey, nigga, hey, wench, come clean this up. <laughs> and Dana's not moving. You know, Dana's like looking at her like little girl. 
Um, and so then, you know, Tempest is like, you know what, your, you know, your your negress is insubordinate. Tell her to come over here so I can smack her. And then Dana's like, do I get to smack you back? Which <laughs> obviously, you know, this is the, one of the times where Dana probably should have just kept her mouth shut. But Temperance screams for her father at this point. Charles comes running upstairs. It was kind of a funny scene because like Temperance is like, Daddy, that negress upstairs starting to strike me. Like just, <laughs> you know, so the, the epitome of white tears, you know, yes. full on yeah. little Karen moment. Karen. Tears. <laughs> little Karen. Um, you know, so Charles is demanding that something be done about this. And of course, Margaret and Thomas are like, well, we can't do anything about it. We can't punish her. She's not our property. So then Kevin's like, she belongs to me. And then Charles is like, well, you need to punish her. And Kevin's like, yeah, I- I'll punish her. And um, so he's like, okay, well, I want her punishment to be a slap. Like, slap her until she understands that what she did was wrong. And Kevin's like, I can't do that, uh, you know, because she's pregnant. So at this point, Charles is pissed off because he feels like uh, Kevin cares more about his property than about his child. So he leaves. And obviously, Thomas is frustrated because they kind of had a business deal on the table. Um, So I'll stop there for your thoughts on that interesting scene and evil little uh, temperance. Oh, yeah. Evil little temperance. I like when she gets in the room and Rufus is like, hey. Because um, okay. she was just like the way Do she walked you? in, like yeah, like the way she just randomly popped up and just walked in. I was like, oh god, it's getting ready to go down. But yeah, she she taking class with Margaret. It's all right, you know what I mean? Like she she picking all the she picking all the the tips up and everything like that. But yeah, I, I thought it was funny when Dana came back at her. But I was like you, I was like oh, oh god, just just get ready to go mm. left. Um, when she said it, but yeah, temper is temper is definitely to be put in her place. Yeah, girl is out of control. I tell you, I tell you, these kids. Yeah. They out of they out of control here, but yeah, you gotta you gotta watch Temper. She definitely gave me that like evil kid that just pop up in the corner. So yeah, you gotta you gotta watch her. <laughs> right, <laughs> Jamie. Yeah, her name speaks for itself. Temperance. Oh. She's, got a, <laughs> she's got an evil temper. Yeah, that that and just um, I I'm curious to know is was Dana because Angela, you read the book. Was Dana as sort of an just like super ambitious in the book as she is on this show, as far as just being so forthright with her opinions and just being so bold and audacious. Um, I remember they're saying that Dana spoke weirdly, mm. but I don't remember her being as like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like talking crazy to people. I think she was a little bit smarter about how she moved in the books. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you know I, this thing is a little different. <laughs> she's a little different. I mean, I, I, I'm, I agree with you. I, I don't remember her being as audacious, but at the same time, like being, I think this actually takes place in 2016. I think that's the actual yeah. year that this show is adapting from. People are a little bit more bold, and 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 black women in particularly. Um, oh, got my camera cut off um (laughs) black women in particularly are uh very very bold and very independent um at this uh in this era so it makes sense that she speaks and acts the way she does and has that kind of autonomy that i think a black woman in 1979 probably wouldn't have uh so so yeah i i just i just absolutely just love how she's just you know 
She sticks up for herself in every moment. And even in moments where we kind of cringe a little bit and are like, uh, should you really be saying that, Dana? Is that really safe? She she just goes all for it. And um, it, it's high stakes. It, this this um, this show is really kind of going into bold territory and really taking us through high stakes situations where there's a conversation to be had about the different decisions that Dana makes. And I'm I'm very interested. I'm, I'm definitely here for it. So. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, um, you know, uh, obviously Thomas is not pleased that things have fallen apart with Charles. So he confronts Kevin about what happened between them because obviously he walked in on something. He doesn't know quite what happened, but he, he knows mm -hmm. that he caught uh, Charles and Kevin in a compromising position. So he kind of gets it out of Kevin that Charles touched him. Like Kevin's like, all right, you touched my genitals. <laughs> and, <laughs> not cool. And Tom, not cool. And Thomas is actually happy about it. Apparently it's like, it's been like a thing. There's been rumors that Charles is, you know, homosexual. And so he's like, oh yeah, we should celebrate tonight. So I, I mean, it does, it, it's not revealed why Thomas is so happy, but I'm thinking he's going to leverage this to get what he wants yeah. from Charles. Um, either blackmailing him or putting it out there that he's, you know, he's gay. And now, you know, obviously that's a crime in those times. So he could essentially get what he wants because of this new information. So he's very excited about that. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, we end up at the cookhouse. Um, we see Isidore interacting with Sarah. You know, Sarah does not like how Margaret carries herself. She's like nothing like, Isadore and Hannah, you know, she says they're actual real ladies. And then she, you know, starts to complain about the fact that, not complain, but she she cries to Isadore about the fact that Margaret sold her sons for the new furniture in the parlor. So that's where we kind of get the title of the episode, Furniture. And as Jamie mentioned, you know, the fact that furniture is more prized and uh, thought of as more important than slaves. Um, you know, so Isadora obviously isn't happy with what, what has been transpiring, but there's really not much she can do. And she ends up leaving and say goodbye. Um, and then Sarah pulls Dana to the side because Dana happened to be in the cookhouse with Olivia. And she knows that Olivia is attending to Dana. She's like, oh, well, since you're being looked after by Olivia, then I'm sure you're pregnant. And don't make the same mistake as I did. You know, you need to get on your knees and beg your master, Kevin for your child's freedom because you have to remember the, the the way that slaves were kept slaves even if they had a white father was that um you know slavery was passed through the mother so no matter what you know you're always going to come from a mom right <laughs> you're always going to be born to a mother um you know people were kept enslaved that way so you know apparently you know sarah is kind of passing off some advice to dana and telling her like don't don't be like me um, so I'll stop there for your thoughts. I think that that moment between um, Sarah and Dana was kind of like uh, Dana's moment to kind of have that realization of where she was. Like, I think she has those check in moments where she's kind of flying yeah. through and she's like, you know, I can do this. I can move like this. I'm not worried about this. And then she has that kind of check in moment where it's like, oh, well, you know, if this is really my life. Like, you know, if I really was pregnant, I have no, you know, I have to do something to protect my kids or a certain say that she would have. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting how they give her like those reality check moments, so to speak, every once in a while where it's like, you know, she's fighting to get away from, you know, some some white guy like she was doing in the early episodes or she's faced with what black women in that in that era, you know, they didn't feel that freedom that she feels. So um, I, I like seeing that that scene play out. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's getting more and more interesting how as she has to keep, 
you know, going back and forth between these worlds and whatever she goes down to the cook area and you see the slaves in there compared to like when she's walking through the house. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting to keep seeing it unfold. Yeah. And what about your thoughts on um, Thomas potentially using this information about Charles being closeted against him? Oh, that's going to be interesting because Thomas strikes me as that guy that he's going to will and deal to get what he needs to get. Like he's not going to get it on the up and up. Like he's not going to work for it. So he's like, let me work these relationships around me and, and you know, figure out he's not caring about who he steps on. It's like as long mm -hmm. as it, it plays out in his favor, he's he's ready to go. So that's going to be real interesting to come after him because it seems like Charles is the guy that got this right now is the one that has everything that people want. Like he's that guy in society. So to be able mm -hmm. to have that much information on him in that time period is going to be real interesting to see how he's that. Okay. Jamie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Ryan Thomas is going to wheel and deal his way into this information that he just uncovered and use it to his advantage for sure. And that's why he's so excited that mm -hmm. this hunch and these rumors that have been going around, which probably it's sort of one of those things that's an open secret. Um, yeah. Now that it's confirmed, he can leverage that over Charles, and uh, I, I, I would assume probably blackmail would be the route to get what he wants out of Charles, um, which will uh, benefit him in a lot of ways, and he's happy and grateful to Kevin for that, which is the cause for the celebration. Yeah. Um, and then shameless plug. So... We here, Black Girl Nerds, recently did an exclusive interview with Brandon Jacob Jenkins, who is the showrunner of uh, Kindred. And one of the biggest uh, deviations, creative liberties rather, taken on, on the show is the creation of Olivia, uh, mm -hmm. Dana's mother. So one of the things that he had brought up, which now, as you know, he's explained it, is very intriguing to me is that uh, he really wanted to dig into the genealogy and sort of the history of uh, this character's ancestry, because that's what Octavia Butler originally was trying to do with the story as he was sort of digging into her studies and because he was really reading into um, her writings and um, uh, studying Octavia Butler's works while he was prepping for the show. And that's kind of sort of the path that she was kind of going towards. So that's, uh, you know, inevitably what caused the creation of, of Olivia. So seeing this mm -hmm. dynamic between Olivia and Dana, and again, her wanting to sort of peel the layers and really unpack and unveil and uncover rather, you know, who she is and, and figure out her history. It's, it's pretty quite compelling. And if you read some of her other works, then a lot of that is, you know, very pertinent in some of her other books. Um, and then uh, the Alice character, I think you had mentioned in our previous episode, Angelica, about you think that Alice may be sort of the replacement um, for, or Olivia, maybe. Olivia, yeah maybe the, a replacement for Olivia. And he was like, stay tuned. <laughs> so, there, so there may be, there may be some connection there, but even so uh, it, it is pretty fascinating to know that this is kind of more like a sort of a genealogy journey uh, for Dana. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just this slave story or this time travel mm -hmm. story. It's, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah. So Olivia ends up taking Kevin and Dana back to her home um, and they do meet Alice. <laughs> um, so they, they change it up a little bit in this series. Alice is Hagar's daughter um, on in the book. It's the opposite. Uh, Alice is Hagar's mother. Um, so, uh, so they switch it around a little bit, but Alice is supposed to be around the same age as Rufus. So that still aligns. Um, so Olivia has been taking care of Alice since her mother died from what Olivia believes was cancer. Um, and then Alice ends up showing Dana her dolls and her cat, which we figure out is Princess Di, Hermione's cat from the future or the present time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, so while Dana's kind of distracted and talking to Alice, Olivia prepares a tea and she cryptically tells Kevin not to worry about Dana. She will be fine. Just make sure she drinks a lot of water. And Kevin's like, huh? Um, and, and earlier, you know, she, she's not dumb. She could see there's something going on between Kevin and Dana. So she's like, oh, are you my daughter's boyfriend? And he's like, you know, we just kind of met. We're, you know, we're getting to know each other. Um, so, you know, Dana eventually comes to sit at the table with them to have tea. And Olivia tells Dana that Alice's mother was a free woman, but it would be hard for Alice as a child to maintain that status. You know, if anything were to happen to Olivia, Alex could easily be brought into slavery. So she gives Dana a family ring. She wants her to keep it. And then she also explains to her, like, I can't control my tra my time traveling ability. I've been stuck here for so long. I think I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. You know, 2016 is so far ahead as far as where my mind is at. I don't even know if I'll fit in, but I want you to take Alice with you. Um, and so she kind of figures out that, Rufus is calling to Dana when he believes he's going to die. And so she thinks a similar effect must happen for Dana to travel. So she poisoned Dana's tea. <laughs> so as she's talking to Dana, Dana starts to choke. Um, and her theory is right. Uh, if Dana is scared or believes she's all scared to the point that she thinks she's going to die, that triggers her time traveling. And so Nick is holding on to her, trying to revive her. And we kind of end the episode knowing that Dana's going to travel, but we don't see it. Um, and, and that is it for the episode. So I'll I'll stop there for your thoughts on those final scenes. I just like Kevin's reaction as he's sitting across the table. When he finds out she was poisoned and she started coughing. Yeah, he's like... like <laughs> I just like... Kevin is always like, why, why is this something else new? Like, he's just sitting there calm trying to drink his tea. But um, yeah, I, I love this edition of Olivia because it's like one thing for Dana to have to go back, you know, and just get like a book and and have to read like, you know, what her ancestry was and, you know, have to go back and figure it out. But to have like her mom there saying, well, you know, I did this back in this distant time and I didn't know that it was true. And I had this dream and she's like figuring it out for Dana, giving her these little pieces so she doesn't feel, you know, I know at times she still feels alone, but at least there's somebody to say, hey, I went through this too. Or, or maybe this connects the dots too. You know, I think they're they're both like being able to lean each other in these two different time periods, which is gonna like James said, it's gonna be so interesting to see their dynamic continue and like what it means and you know what she'll continue to find out. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, that this is a great eye opener because I think in the last episode I was like, any sort of emotional triggers warps her from the past to the present, but it seems that not only I, 
obviously you do become very emotional when you deal with some sort of physical trauma, but yeah, mm -hmm. like if, if she's under some sort of threat of death, that that's what triggers her to shift between these time portals. I don't know if there's like an official term for it. I don't know, but I think she just, just falls. Yeah. <laughs> she just falls back. <laughs> falls back, um, falls forward. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, you think about it. So the first time she traveled back to the, to the present day was when Olivia, you know, attacked her obviously because Olivia was like scared out of her mind that her child was standing in front of her. Mm -hmm. Um, when Thomas put the gun to her head, that scared her back to the present when the patrolman was beating up on her and basically choking her to death. And now when she's been poisoned, <laughs> so, or believes to have been poisoned. Um, so, and then similar effect with Rufus, when Rufus was on his, you know, in his crib on his face, couldn't breathe, when he was drowning, when he thought he was going to die in a fire, he thought his dad was going to kill him. Those are the things, and when he fell out of the tree. So they kind of have this connection with near-death experiences that, that are calling to each other. So that's how we wrap the episode. So we're going to now break down episode four um, entitled The Waiter from Two Nights Ago. And it doesn't take a rock and science to figure out that's Kevin. <laughs> so this this, this episode is named after Kevin. Um, and we open with Hermione, uh, Dana's nosy neighbor. Um, she's spying on Dana and Kevin next door. And obviously she's seeing them in the moment when they go back in time together for the first time. So she, all she can see is Dana like convulsing and Kevin holding on to her. So it looks like maybe he's like manhandling her. And so she's like telling her partner, Carlo, like something's going on that store. Let's investigate. Just being a nosy neighbor. So they, <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they go together and they knock on Dana's front door. Dana doesn't answer. So they open up her door. And at this point they see uh, Kevin and Dana on the floor and they're in their underwear and they're convulsing together. So, you know, one can only assume they're doing something, you know, they're obviously doing the do. And Carla's like, what the hell, Hermione? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we just walked in on them. And, you know, he kind of forces her to go back home. Um, And so, you know, obviously Dana's convulsing because Olivia gave her something. And then Kevin thinks that his quick thinking realizes that he needs to give her water. So whatever Olivia gave her, apparently it gets cured with water. Um, and, you know, so he gives her water. Dana starts to feel better. And, you know, Kevin's like, wow, Olivia, you know, she figured it out. She found a way to control your time travel. And Dana's like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like you can't almost kill me for me to travel. Like I'm not doing that again. I could actually die the next time. That's not happening. And then they realize that they're, they are in their underwear, meaning that the clothes from the past don't travel with them. So I thought that was interesting. So I'll stop there for your thoughts. Yeah, in their I, underwear, I was though. like, yeah, I was yeah. like, why, why did they take the clothes? I was like, so every time they time travel and they like shirts or whatever, they got to explain why they're in the outfit. Then when they come back, they go just have on the underwear. I was like, what? But um, yeah, so that was it's interesting how we just keep getting layers. Like every time they come back, like what what she can and can't do, like how many seconds is it? Um, it gets it gets real crazy. But yeah, Hermione, she got to calm it all the way down. Like she been it's been <laughs> the same thing all night. It's like girl. You just don't have to let it go. Like she got the little neighbor app. Just stay on your little app. Stay over there. <laughs> but yeah, she just keep trying to, to poke around. And I'm just like, it, it never goes well when you just that determined to try to get in somebody's business. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but she just she just yeah. she just staying on it. But yeah, it's it that whole thing was just was insane how they came back together. And I know Kevin is like, Lord, all I did was get on the Tinder app. <laughs> well, he gave her a ride home. That's what started it. But yeah. that's true. That is <laughs> true. Yep, yep, that ride. Yep, yes. ride and then on Tinder. Yep, there you go. Yep. The 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 waiting of the tables, then the ride, <laughs> then the because <laughs> he then was the, the waiter from two nights ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Hermione, you know, sometimes it's not bad having a nosy neighbor because they do come in handy when it comes to neighborhood watch. Uh, mm. but when there's like a whole bunch of racial microaggressions buried under that, then it's a problem because obviously she's scrutinizing Dana because she feels threatened by her because she's a racist. Let's just call it what it is. So yeah. it, it's it's really annoying to see how she's just so obsessed with what is going on in Dana's home. Um, but yeah, the the whole thing with Kevin and and or with you know her traveling and they don't have clothes on, but yet they have underwear. I just thought that was funny because it's like the underwear stays with them, but the 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 clothes don't. So that. Well, I was gonna say well, the underwear is their underwear from the present, so that stays with them. But the clothes that they wore that are off of them, because they change into clothes from the past. So for whatever reason, the clothes from the past doesn't go with them. So they were left with their modern day underwear. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad yeah. you caught that. Okay. So then they had their own contemporary day underwear with them already. Yeah. Right in the present. Yeah. With their contemporary day clothes over their underwear, they travel back to the past. Right. And they clothes. changed into the past clothes, but kept on their drawers. Okay. So they went back to the past, they went on, back to the oh. present. <laughs> then those clothes went, were gone. And yeah. So, see, this is why you're here, Angelica. For this. <laughs> but can they keep the present clothes underneath the past clothes and then come back? Right, but they don't know that until now, and they're see, like, "Oh, Kevin was probably offered some underwear." Like I can see them not giving Dana underwear because they treat yeah. like trash. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Kevin was probably offered some clean underwear, some clean undergarments, some underoos, <laughs> whatever they called it back then. He just right. chose not to wear them. So I okay. wouldn't, because like, who knows what kind of scratchy material? Like, he wants to wear his boxer briefs. So. That's true. That's I, true. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at him. So <laughs> okay, I have a question though. I know we're getting caught up in this whole underwear. <laughs> underwear. <laughs> what about the earbuds? Why did that stay in the past? Well, did he have them on his person? I don't know if he had them with him when he left. Like, I think he was just focused on Dana. And so okay. he, like, his phone, you know, like, I think the only thing he had on him was his phone. But, but he, like, he, where did he keep it? Yeah, yeah I was like, where did he put the earbuds? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe he and, did you know, travel with him. He had to have everything every five minutes, but yeah. Yeah, that's like, if he had them on with him, why did the earbuds travel with them if contemporary stuff doesn't travel with you? Or it no, does travel with you. Stuff, contemporary it stuff does. does travel with you. Past stuff don't come back. Past go, doesn't come back. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get yeah. this figured out one day. Because <laughs> if you remember from the first... Camera. Oh, there goes your camera. From the first yeah. episode, when Dana first like landed, 
she had also only had on underwear and she had her phone in her in her panties. So uh-huh. your your contemporary things do come with you. Gotcha. So gotcha. they gotta find a way to keep their contemporary clothes on when they go back to the past. That's interesting. Right. Oh, okay. So, confirmed. so in the past, the past does not travel to the future, but the future uh-huh. can go back to the past. Yes. Okay. As far as clothes, items that you're wearing on your personhood, all of yep. that stuff. Yes. Okay. I need, to, <laughs> now that, I, I need to be clear on this stuff. Huh. Now the that we clear that up. Was she being her underwear or what she came out getting? We'll, we'll, yeah, I'll we'll be she she, she does. So we see we we see we do see her in the first episode in her underwear, which is supposed to be a flash forward uh from the events of this episode. So right. she yeah. does indeed pop up in her underwear. But sure. um so you know, moving on from underwear. Uh <laughs> right. Uh, and Denise calls Alan and asks him to check on Dana. Um, she's worried about her after Dana called asking questions about her mother. She also heard a strange man in the background. And Alan kind of wants to mind his business, let Dana do her, but he reluctantly agrees. Um, meanwhile, Dana and Kevin are, uh, you know, in her bed, just kind of discussing everything that's happened. Uh, Kevin is looking through pictures that he took on his phone from the past. Um, and but it doesn't really prove anything, right? Um, and Dana starts to talk about Rufus, and you know, she believes Rufus calls her when he panics, you know, as we'd mentioned earlier, um, when he feels like his life is in danger. And she knows eventually that Rufus will call her back, so she needs to prepare for it. And Kevin wonders, like, there has to be a reason why this is happening to you and your mother, there has to be rules as to what's going on. He just wants to figure it out. Um, but then he gets a text. And it's the dinner that he ordered uh, from, I think, two or three nights ago <laughs> when before him and Dana got into their fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, the so, order for Uber Eats or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So we Obviously, Postmates. we know that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Postmates. One of those. We know that time is different when they travel back and forth. Um, so, you know they realize that, you know, if, if Dana goes back tomorrow, it's possible that Rufus may end up being a grown man. Um, so they decide to end up, you know, getting supplies for when Dana returns back to the past. So um, Dana takes, uh, or Kevin takes Dana back to his place to grab some clothes. Um, Kevin is staying with his sister. Um, while Dana's waiting for Kevin, Kevin grabs a gun and then Kevin's sister Penny arrives and she's surprised to see Dana. And she's also wondering what happened to Dana's face because Dana still has a black eye from when she was attacked by the patrolman. Um, and Dana's like, I got into a fight. <laughs> so her sister's just like, oh, okay. Um, but you know, she, she sees something as a miss. She starts to question Kevin, you know, she thinks he's behaving strangely. She's like, is there anything going on? You can tell me. And Kevin obviously has been through this with Penny. He shrugs her off and he, he leaves with Dana. Um, so Kevin has some type of past that we'll get into later on in the episode. And his sister seems to be very protective of him. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there for your thoughts on this non-underwear scene. <laughs> well, I gotta go back to the <laughs> I gotta go back to the clothes a little bit because Kevin was definitely wearing his little tiny robe laying in the bed. I yes. Was <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing that lovely blue robe that he borrowed from Dana. Uh, <laughs> I thought the moment was sitting in the bed was hilarious. Like him trying to look stupid. I don't know. They just their relationship is just so funny to me. Like how they like go through all this kind of stuff and it is just like super chill, laid back. Let's just figure this out. Look through some pictures. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to put the, you know, we get, a, like you said, we get another cool, like, information about time where it's like, okay, so my, my order coming in from Postmates or whatever. So we still in the same night, but back before it was like three days ago. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? So I like how they keep like slowly giving us pieces of like these rules that she has to figure out. We don't know like exactly what's happening, but at the same time, it's insane. Cause I know I feel like I'm going crazy. Um, yeah. the, the time, the time lapse that they have going on, but. And then um, it was cool seeing, like, seeing some more of Kevin's background. Um, you know, obviously him and him and Penny, there's something going on there. You know, besides that, Kevin is just a horrible liar. So usually his best bet is just to keep walking past you and not answer any questions. <laughs> so you're 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 caught up in between. You know, like obviously she's going to be concerned. This girl shows up. He has this girl with her. He doesn't know that she doesn't know the girl. The girl has a black eye. What the heck's going on? Like, what he got herself into? So. And, you know, she doesn't know about the gun, thank God, because really she probably like she probably tried to send a police officer and get him locked up or something. I don't know, because she was just looking at Kevin like, Kevin, I need you to call me. I need you to tell me what's going on. But he just walks right out. So that's going to be interesting. But at least, you know, it's like I guess somebody in his corner, somebody that is concerned if something goes wrong with Kevin, because I kind of thought before he was like a loner. I was like, I wonder if he has anybody else that's like, you know, um, any other kind of relationships except that we're going to get to see. So this is interesting to see her brought in. Yeah, yeah, Jamie? yeah. I, I don't, I don't think she's a character in the book, if I'm not mistaken. Um, feel free I don't to think we me. get much of his of his family, just that they don't approve of their marriage, and that's all I right. really got from it. Yeah. So, like you said, Ryan, it's good that we're getting some backstory about Kevin, because the more we learn about these characters, the more we understand why they make the choices that they make. I, right. That's what I love about. Um, I'm going to say my favorite term, y'all. Character, character development. development. <laughs> okay, okay. But that 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 is an important <laughs> thing when it comes to TV writing and understanding the motives, the the plans, the the reasoning for why a character does what they do. And mm-hmm. is it their background, whether it's their familial background, whether it's they were bullied as a kid or, you know, whatever is developed out of that character written by the writer, that those are important things to map out in a story to make a story compelling. So mm-hmm. that aside, I'm glad that we're seeing something of Kevin's background. Cause yeah, it's like, why is he sticking around? Like mm-hmm. now that we've deviated a little bit from the book, cause Kevin and Dana are married in the book. So it's, a little different if you're married you're you know you're gonna stick by your wife in this type of situation why is he hanging out with dana when he could easily just walk out of this situation yeah. um so uh, yeah I, I i like seeing uh this penny character i'm curious to see uh how their connection either grows uh throughout the rest of these episodes and um and what their relationship is like and how that impacts Kevin and how he treats women and how, you know, that maybe affects his relationship with Dana. So, yeah. 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 Agreed. Um, so we'll, we'll, fi- we'll find out more about Penny and, and, and Kevin. Um, so Kevin takes Dana um, to the drugstore. They get all these supplies, you know, you know, ways to, um, 
gosh, clean wounds, you know, Pedialyte, because people died a century in the past, as as Dana had mentioned, you know, like all all your your survival kit for, you know, going back to the 1800s. Uh, and they get too much stuff, according to Kevin. And he's and Kevin's like, uh, I don't know how you're going to fit this in one bag. And Dana's like, no, we can put them in two bags. Um, and they arrive back at Dana's home and they're immediately confronted by Hermione, who's upset that Kevin has accused her of being a racist on the neighbor app. Um, you know, she's like, oh, you're basically saying I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, which is there's nothing worse than someone who's racist not understanding that they are racist, <laughs> however <laughs> subtle, oh, yeah. you know. Some like, of my best friends are black. What are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah, yep. She's completely, um, not, she's not very self-aware, um, no. but she does genuinely, I do think she is concerned about Dana. Um, you know, she, I, I think ultimately she doesn't want to see a woman beaten. So she's questioning Dana about, you know, her safety, you know, is Kevin hurting her? If there's anything you want to tell me. And Dana's like, just leave me alone. And Hermione's like, I'm going to call the police. And then at this point, Kevin loses it and tells her to fuck off, uh, which greatly yeah. offends Hermione. She's like, excuse That was me. a yes moment for me. <laughs> and he says it louder. He's like, fuck off. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, she, was, she wasn't a fan of that. Um, So back inside, Dana's upset with Kevin. She's like, I don't need you to defend me. And he was like, I was trying to shut it down. And she was like, this is not shutting it down. You kind of escalated the situation. Like, you need to communicate yeah. with me better. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The whole situation with my mom poisoning me. Like, why didn't she communicate? Which, in, in fairness to Kevin, he did not realize what Olivia was saying. So, not sure how he could have warned her when he when it was very cryptic. But in any case, she's right. He needs to communicate better with her. Um, she's like, you know, I can't have this happening if we go back together. And Kevin's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> He's like, and to your point that you've been saying, you know, you found it interesting that they are dating rather than being married. He tells her, like, I don't even know you like that. We just met and we're going through all this together. And, you know, that place, that experience isn't good for me. You know, it puts me in a bad headspace. Uh, so he's like, I'm not going back. But he does offer to stay in the present, you know, kind of be like headquarters for her making sure when she comes back that she's okay and having food for her and having supplies for her and then he gives her the gun and dana's like i don't even know how to use a gun what why would you get that and so he ends up hiding it in the fridge um so i'll stop there for i guess your thoughts on the exchange with hermione and also the fact that uh kevin doesn't want to go back to the past he he, he dana's on her own well, first, I love that they loaded up on supplies because I was waiting for that to happen. Like, I was wondering, I was like, can they take this back with them? Like, does she have any kind of weapon or something? Um, you know, like, I don't know, some way to hide it just in case because, you know, she's getting a lot of, like, touch-and-go situations. She'll have nothing on her. So um, I thought that was interesting for him to suggest that. Um, and then, yeah, Hermione, it's just like, at, at a certain, obviously, we know she, she's pulling off being racist, but it's like, girl, at a certain point, if somebody is telling you, look, I'm fine, you know, it's only so much you can do. Like, either you go call the police, back off, do your own thing. But yeah, she's taking it to a whole other other level, just being all up in their business. So I, I was with Jamie. I appreciate Kevin going off because I was like, girl, you just need to calm down. Like, I don't understand it. It's like every five minutes, it's like they go out the house, come back. There she go. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's just like, leave it alone. If they already said they fine, you know, just just did it. Like, if you think something else is going on, at that point, you call the police from your house. Like, stop coming yeah, over yeah. there and try to get into the business. 
I'm like, shoot, if she gonna end up taking her to the next time period, because she always there. I'm like, she always showing up. <laughs> she gonna end up putting her hand on her, taking her back to the time period. Um, but yeah, it's just her, like, the, the struggle is just real for her to leave him alone. But anyway, but yeah, just, uh, I think, I think Dana, like, she's, she's definitely leaning into trying to do everything for herself. And I'm like, if Kevin, you know, it's very strange for Kevin not, you know, it's not, they're not married. They don't know each other that long. But if Kevin is willing to, like, stay at the house, you know, hold down the headquarters, so there's somebody there. I just feel like that's a lot. Like, you jumping in between, you going back to the past. You know, you don't really know what's going on. You got these crazy neighbors. You don't really know what's happening when you get back at those kind of seconds. So I think it's, you know, something that like an offer she should take him up on. Like, I'm going to stay at the house, right? Like, I can hold you down here, you know, just so she's just not like bouncing all over the place randomly. Like, there's nobody mm -hmm. there in the present to kind of, you know, pull her back or keep things in check, you know, while she's hopping back and forth. So, I mean, I think that's interesting if he's not going to go back because, you know, they mama, the mama did say like, Kevin, go get you killed come back to the past. So maybe he need to stay like in the, you know, in the, in the house and just kind of hold it down. Yeah. Jamie. Yeah. I think that uh, this going back to what I was saying, I know I kind of like reel into it a lot with these conversations, but going back to the Kevin and Dana relationship dynamic, this was a great moment that shows an example of why these creative liberties were taken. I, I admit in, in our last episode, I wasn't a fan of it. And um, kind of now sort of understanding based off of my interview with Brandon Jacob Jenkins, the showrunner who gave his take as to why they decided to go down that path. And then even what you had said, Angelica, like, I, I think that it'll make for not only good conversation because people will have their their own thoughts and opinions about it, but it makes it a kind of a high stakes relationship, which is actually um, what Brendan said in our interview. It's like, it's kind of a high stakes thing. Um, mm -hmm. So, and we're now seeing Kevin making these kinds of decisions that probably he wouldn't have been able to kind of make, I guess, if he was within the confines of, of marriage. Uh, but knowing that he doesn't want to go back to the past, it's cool to know that he's still willing to stick by her. He's like, look, I'll, I'll be here with you. Like you said, at headquarters, you know, I, I got you with your supplies. I, I can give you what you need. Um, so Kevin is so kind of, kind of like ride or die in this situation, sort of mm -hmm. like he's still willing mm -hmm. to stick by her, which is to me still weird. Like, <laughs> dude, you just <laughs> met her on Tinder. You just I met mean... her at the restaurant. <laughs> Maybe Dana got some badu energy over Kevin. She put it on him, and he's just like, "I gotta, <laughs> I gotta stick beside her." You know, like she did something. She did something. She put something on him. Um, because no, but didn't he travel? No, did he travel with her before they hooked up? Or after? no, they hooked up. And, yeah, then, and then they oh, yeah, yeah, directly they were there. after hooking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Got, they did the yeah. furniture shopping and then they yeah, did the exactly. Deed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe Dana <laughs> did something. Uh, but 
still, is it worth going back in slavery time and dealing with all that mess? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's like it's like a trauma bond at this point. <laughs> I'm uh, like, yeah, you know, yeah, that could be, that could be. Yeah. So anyway, that, but uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I the, this relationship is probably one of the most unique and interesting relationships I've seen um, on a TV show in in a while. This. Yeah. Uh, between Kevin and Dana. So it, it'll be it'll be an adventure to see how it plays out because, you know, I know I sound like a am beating a dead horse here by saying the same thing over and over again, but it is sort of like a high stakes relationship. Like you don't know where it's going to go. Is he going to stick mm-hmm. around? Is he going to leave her? Right. We don't know. Yeah. Well, he he seems to be like a good dude. So it's it the kindness of his heart, or Dana put it all on him, or a combination of all of it, or just general curiosity. Of I mean, honestly, if I met a time traveler, I think I'd stick around too, just to figure out what's going on. So I think it's a couple things motivating Kevin to to stick beside um, Dana. <clears throat> it depends so. on what time period we're going to, though. That's my. Thing. That's the thing. It's like <laughs> I can see if they went back to a time period where. Like he's a big fan of who was it that he was a fan of? Um, Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Yeah, Luther <laughs> acting band. Like if he went back to the eighties and stuff, like okay, I could see where he'd be like really excited and geeked out mm-hmm. about it. But what 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 was going on during this time? Who was it like? Bach or something or Mozart. I don't know <laughs> who, the, who the big musicians <laughs> were of the day. I don't know. I, I can't tell you. Um, but in any case, there's something keeping Kevin around. He's intrigued oh. one way or the other. Um, so you know, Carlo Hermione's uh, partner confronts Kevin in the front yard for disrespecting Hermione. Uh, Carlo slaps Kevin, and Kevin uh, apparently can fight, and he knocks out Carlo. <laughs> So they they get they get to tussling on the front yard and Alan shows up and breaks you know breaks it up and he you know he gets Carlo off the property uh because because he's a cop and he's like you're trespassing and he flashes his badge he, you know he demands Kevin and Dana go back in the house and Kevin's still talking shit and he's like boy don't you know when to be quiet <laughs> like get in the house um and then he's like, oh, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And, and, you know, he ends up referring to Kevin as the waiter from two nights ago. Um, So he's, you know, Alan is generally concerned and just confused about what's happening. He's like, what's going on with you, Dana? What's going on with your face? Did that man hurt you? And, you know, Dana's like, no, he's a friend. You know, I, I fell and I slipped. And, you know, he's a cop. He knows when people are lying about domestic violence situations. So he's not buying it. Um, but in any case, he tells Dana Denise is really worried about her. And, you know, he convinces Dana to go with him to see Denise. Um, meanwhile, Kevin's sister is sending him texts concerned about his sobriety. So we realize that um, Kevin is, an, is a recovering alcoholic. Um, so that kind of explains why he doesn't really have like a career. He's working as a server. He's like rooming with his sister. Um, which maybe that maybe that's another reason why he's so drawn to Dana because she's something exciting in his life. Um, so Dana leaves with Alan, and as she's leaving, you know, Kevin is left in the house alone and he finds Olivia's ring on the floor. So I know earlier we discussed pretty in depth <laughs> about underwear and and things <laughs> not traveling <laughs> to the present. 
but this ring made its way back to the present. Um, so it kind of, I guess it reignites something in Kevin. Cause like I said, you know, he wasn't really a big fan of going back to the past. So he goes to find Dana um, and uh, on the way to the hospital, Alan and Dana have a heart to heart. And he kind of explains to her why, you know, the family is so distant uh, the toll that Dana's mother took on Denise, you know, so he's kind of sheltered her and protected her from the drama back home. And that's why, you know, Dana wasn't as big a part of their lives as they would have liked. So he apologizes for that. So they seem to reconcile. Um, at the same time, Kevin's driving to the hospital. He's calling his sister. And he, at this point, is convinced that what's happening between him and Dana is fate. Uh, so I'll stop there for your thoughts. Uh, I definitely love the the Carlo and Kevin fight because I felt like that was coming at any moment because they <laughs> just they just would not they would just not go away. Um, and Carlo was like he tripped me out with that line. Don't you talk to the future mother of my kids like that? I was like, Sir, please, please go somewhere. It's just like the, it's just like the height of the situation when it was just like mind your business, mind your business. Could have right. like fixed the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I love Alan showing up like, okay, y'all listen, let me pull out my badge. Y'all need to get it together. You go back over there. I don't know what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of put it in perspective because Dana was kind of just standing there. So yeah, she did she needed an extra hand to kind of get it under control. And then poor Kevin was just in the corner after that. Like they put baby in the corner. Like he wasn't allowed to say nothing else <laughs> when Alan was in there. He was like, just be quiet. I didn't ask you all that. So right. um, it's just I just I feel bad for him walking around with Dana with this with this black eye. It's like he gotta explain this every time he goes somewhere. Right. Um, you know, with her with her tribe travel and everything. But it also just it's still that constant reminder though, when she time travels, like how much can her body take and like the risk of like, you know, if this happens and she comes back, like how much is too much when she's not gonna, you know, might she might not travel right or it's gonna take her longer to recover. Like, I don't know, it's it's very interesting, like the the like physically how it's gonna start to to wear on her. And you can tell like she probably has to slap it a bit, you know, or sleeps a little bit and then she has to get up again. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting the way that plays out. Um, and then I love the story that we finally get to hear Alan tell a little bit about, you know, going back to maybe why that dinner, the dinner was so awkward when we first meet all of them, um, you know, to figure out, you know, like there's the secrets in the family and, and Alan's like, he knows something else is going on, but maybe he kind of just brushes it off. He's like, I'm going to pull, you know, my wife away from all this kind of stuff the niece away from what's going on you know, because, you know, you know, for her well-being and that he doesn't really want to deal with it. And that kind of left Dana on the outs. So it's just, it's interesting to see the the family dynamic. And then like, maybe, you know, Denise's brother or whatever, like he understood, you know, Olivia, you know, obviously being married and like, maybe he knew what was going on. And, you know, maybe he wasn't sharing with the rest of the class or he was willing to kind of, you know, go on that adventure. That'd be something cool to kind of find out in the future about how their, how that relationship went down. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like more of that info about Denise and Dana because you can tell they ca- they care about each other. But it was such a hard riff that you were like, mm, something else, something's not right, something else is going on here. Yeah, you agree. bring up a yeah, you bring up a good point about Dana and her body and the wear and tear that's on her body as she's shifting and traveling back and forth. Because I never really thought about that, and even in the book, because when she's going back to the present. It's only been like hours that have actually passed. So as she's enduring all of this physical trauma to her body, she's enduring it like hour by hour by hour. So it really is taking, yeah, that that physical toll on her body is really uh, 
significant. Uh, yeah, and that just didn't really dawn on me until now. So I wonder if the show is going to address that at all, because it, it it would make yeah, I'm sense. Curious, yeah. Yeah, it would make sense, like, you know, the black eye. And if, if there's, that's if there's any more abuse being, you know, done to her. I mean, yeah. we, obviously we know from uh, the very first episode that we don't see that her arm is amputated, which is what happened in the book. So uh, they've kind of gone off in a different direction with that as far as her body trauma is concerned. But yeah, I, I'm, good point there, Ryan. I, I never thought about that. Um, or it's possible we're not at that part of the story yet because she loses her arm when Rufus is an adult and he's still a kid. So, and it's only been two true. days. So it's possible true. we just haven't gotten to that ending yet. Um, but she got beat yeah. up. <laughs> Something That's happened true. to Dana. Yeah. That That is very true. And the only reason I thought that they skipped that is because um, it's the very first part of the story. That kicks off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um how how all of this begins is you know yeah. um her narrating it so um but yeah that that's true who's to say that it won't happen um yeah. uh, there, there was a funny moment when alan called carlo like with your skinny tail or your skinny butt or something <laughs> i thought that was hilarious because yeah he he does look like a little bean pole um <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah I, th this was this was a I, I enjoyed watching each of these scenes and um, yeah, great. Good stuff. That's it. Yep. Yep. So um, Dana ends up meeting with Denise at the hospital. They kind of discuss the time travel. Like I was surprised that Dana just came out and said it. Like I went to the past. My mom's alive. She's stuck back there. And Denise appears to take it in. She's like, okay, all right. I see what you're saying. Let me get some coffee. Um, in the parking lot, uh, Alan spots Kevin and demands he stay away from Dana because I know Alan's convinced that Kevin has been putting hands on on Dana. Um, you know, Denise, you know, steps away to get the coffee, comes back to, you know, return to the discussion. And she tells Dana she does believe Dana to a degree. She believes that Dana believes her experiences are real. And her mother was the same way. Her mother used to see things. Um, but, you know, Denise feels guilt because she did not do enough to help. Olivia. So at this point, Dana starts to side eye Denise. She's like, mm, something's off. So she knocks over the coffee to distract her. You know, Denise goes to clean up the mess to get more coffee. And then Dana takes off. Uh, she grabs her thing and she leaves. Uh, so Kevin finds Dana in the hospital hallway and, and Dana, you know, gives him a big hug and she cries to him and she's like, she's upset that her aunt doesn't believe her and she feels so alone and Kevin tells her she's not alone. He's there for her. He basically apologizes for trying to distance himself from her, for not wanting to travel back with her. Um, and then they prepare to leave. You know, he's saying that what's going on between them is 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 really fate and it, it means something. He's going to stick beside her. So they, they kind of try to leave the hospital, but a cold purple has been issued for Dana over the intercom. And of course, I don't know why they went in that direction, but they end up like going back to like the main part of the hospital and they run into Denise who's with security and they, you know, give chase. So like Kevin and Dana are running through the hospital and they lock themselves in a supply closet. So Denise and company are like knocking on the door, getting them to come out. 
and Kevin shows Dana his mother's ring, her mother's ring, you know, he believes that if this ring came back, then maybe Olivia can travel back in time. Um, and then Dana begins to convulse and Kevin holds on to her and Denise finally gets into the supply closet and they've disappeared. And that's how we end the episode. So Dana and Kevin went back in time. So <laughs> your your thoughts for those final scenes. And the, at least this time around, Dana's life wasn't in danger. She was just under threat of probably being institutionalized. <laughs> so that was enough to get her to jump back in time. So your thoughts. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was I was disappointed by oh well actually I want to say um with Alan and um and Kevin, I thought it was funny. I kept was like, well, can I at least get her number? Like, yo, he was like, no. <laughs> and then just walked off and like left me the parking lot and everything. So yeah, Alan, Alan ain't feeling Kevin, but you know, hopefully he'll come around, you know, later, maybe later they'll, 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 mm -hmm. they'll work that out or whatever. But, um, but yeah, going into like the hot, all the stuff that was going down in the hospital, um, Dana, Denise, I was so disappointed by their exchange because when she called, um, Dana, like, or wanted to talk to Dana through Alan's phone, it sounded like she was going to give her some really good, you know, like tips or talk about some facts and maybe she found out about her mom. Mm -hmm. So I thought she was going to really like give us some more like because I don't know. I feel now as a fan, like you're on a fact finding mission of like how this works every time she goes back to the past. And, you know, like what clues like you start becoming a detective, like what clues you could pick up. So I thought she was going to give us some knowledge. Like, I thought she was going to talk about something she noticed about Olivia, like her going back to the past or like her mannerisms or certain certain things she would do. But she was just kind of like, you know, faking the funk to kind of be there. Um, you know, to to help Dana and be supportive, which is which is fine. But at the same time, it's like if you see this many, if you see this kind of pattern in your family, I think I will be a little curious. Like I think I would try to do a little more hunting and figure out like, are they really crazy? Like what's going on here? You know, like what's the whole story? But she was just kind of like, you know, I'm just gonna be here. I'm gonna be that 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 sort of support. So, you know, Dana get to running. I mean, you know, she didn't, you know, didn't feel comfortable, didn't know what she could say. You know, felt alone, and you know there was Kevin. Kevin's Kevin's still hanging on there. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting how he just, you know, he's he's still kind of going with the flow and realizing, like, hey, maybe there's a bigger plan for us. And you don't know if he's crazy. He's just a sweet guy, you know. But he's he's still there, um, you know, on the adventure, uh, carrying on with her. And I thought that closet scene in the hospital was hilarious because I was like, only Kevin goes into the closet where they don't have any way to get out. And then um, when everything is going down and you see the look on his face when she's like holding his hand to her chest and he's like, oh, God, you better take me back with you. Like, let my head go. And then like they just disappear. So I thought that was I thought that one was that one was funny because you could tell on his face like everything was just changed and like it just dropped because he knew that she was going to let go of his hand. And I know he was saying, but he was ready. He was ready. He, he, he now thinks that they have a profound destiny together. So he, yeah. he, he willing I still to go think back he with her, though. I think he wanted yeah, to he's I think scared. He scared <laughs> he's scared, but he, he going. He going. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie. He's starting to like the thrill of it, I think. Um, so that's why he sticks around. <laughs> like, I, I think it was you that mentioned that, like, maybe he's there out of curiosity. So mm -hmm. I think he's starting to enjoy this little adventure that uh, they're now on. I do find it convenient that the threat of being institutionalized is what <laughs> warps her back. <laughs> like, I thought it was the threat of death. Now it's the threat of... Uh, uh, being institutionalized that does it but hey uh that 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 was a great moment for her to do it and um 
now i don't know now let's see if denise finally believes her because it's yeah. like mm, yeah the room and she's i've no been trying, trying room, to tell Denise. you <laughs> i'm trying to tell you so uh yeah we'll we'll see what happens with uh denise and and how she plays a role later on but uh i yeah, yeah I, I like this i like the way this ended and um and to see that kevin is sticking around yeah they they keep leaving us on dana traveling cliffhangers uh we don't <laughs> we don't get to see it until the next episode and i wonder what trouble rufus got himself into now uh yeah yeah because we back. we know that rufus is involved with this mm, this travel yeah. this travel odyssey so yeah, do you guys think uh, olivia knew about the ring i was kind of wondering if she slickly just just threw that in there uh, I think Olivia mm-hmm. wanted him to take the ring to ground them that this is real. And and so she just wanted to give Dana and Kevin a piece of, of her. Um, and then obviously Kevin concluded that if the ring can travel, then Olivia can travel. So that's just my Yeah, I, I was curious. Theory. I was like, I wonder if Olivia know a little bit of something extra that she ain't letting on to because, you know, she slick with it. Like if you give somebody that little poison and they bounce back with some water, I was like, whoop. She might be slick with it. So I was just curious. I was curious if she knew something that we didn't know. Yeah, I think Olivia is, is just testing out the water. She's trying to figure out, like, she's throwing stuff at the wall and hoping things stick. <laughs> so, I'm mad at it. Yeah. She got to get about that time period. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the, that that's how it ends. Well, this, this episode ends. Yes. <laughs> that would be kind of messed up if that's how the show ends. I know. I'm like, <laughs> like no, really, y'all? Where'd they go? Uh, So this is what we're going to do. This is uh, the end of our recap for now. We will wait until, um, well, all of the episodes, of course, are dropping on Hulu. I think it's all eight episodes. Uh, So we will do a, like, series recap of all the rest of the episodes later on and then just drop that episode. And, uh, you know, the holidays are here and we've got a lot of other projects that we're working on. So sort of our bandwidth, (laughs) we've overextended ourselves. Um, So uh, for now, we're just going to have these two episodes here for you to enjoy. I hope you guys are enjoying binging the show right now. Definitely leave your comments uh, on YouTube. Let us know on Twitter what your thoughts of our kindred, hashtag kindredfx. Uh, and uh, we'll come back with another episode just giving our final thoughts, and we'll be dropping that later on. Alrighty. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.